To deny people their human rights is to challenge their very humanity. Nelson Mandela. Throughout history, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices. You have organizations out there like the Center for Bioethical Reform. The Center for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Center for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then all kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto. I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion. Today we were doing choice chain in downtown Regina. By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life. He then walked away 100% pro-life. Completely pro-life. We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to artifacts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. My name is Peter. I'm the host of the show. And with me again is Cameron Cote, my wonderful co-host. How are you, sir? I am doing well. The sun is shining in Calgary. Uh, a couple days ago on Saturday, we were out doing Choice Chain here in Calgary, and I got to see somebody change their mind on abortion, which is pretty sweet after a couple of weeks of having to cancel activism because of the crazy cold. Um, and so it was good to be back, and it was good to be back with you, my friend. How are you doing? Good. Good, thank you. We just had activism the other day as well, and I had a really good, it was a short conversation with a gentleman who supported abortion and when I showed him my sign uh, of an 11-week-old aborted fetus, a, a young human child, um, he, he supported abortion. And one of the questions I asked was, "How you know, how could you ever support doing this to a young human being? And he looked at it, and he looked at it, and he looked at it. And while he still wanted to say he supported abortion, he let me know that he could not support what I was showing on my images, um, which was abortion. So good conversation among a whole bunch of other conversations. So... Really, really good to be out again, um, as cold as it was. And it was cold. Um, anyway, for those of you who are new to the program, we are two guys who are passionate about ending the killing of preborn children in Canada. And that's what we do. This is our job. We spend time on the streets. We talk to Canadians about abortion, seeking to change the status quo and to share with people the truth and the reality of the inhumanity of abortion and this podcast, if, you've tuned in to, if you're tuning in for the first time, is dedicated to giving you the tools that you need to do what we seek to do regularly, which is change minds and save lives from abortion. So thanks for tuning in. This episode is going to be focused very heavily on street-level activism conversations, uh, apologetic tools and methods and questions and tactics that we use when we're on the streets. We're going to dive into that very shortly. Before that, Cam, you have a few things that you would like to say. I certainly do. I want to, first of all, big shout out to all the people who have signed up um, as Patreon supporters of the Pro-Life Guys podcast. We want to invite more of you to consider doing so. Your generous financial partnership allows us to have on super cool guests. We've had a bunch already. We've had Scott, had Scott Klusendorf, from um, Life Training Institute, we've had Stephanie Gray Connors, we've had Dr. Peter, um, Dr. Peter, uh, Dr. Ryan Wilson. Uh, we had some incredible guests. We're looking forward to having a bunch more incredible guests. And so your uh, partnership 
helps us to do that. Not only that, but it also helps put boots on the ground of interns and volunteers who are changing minds, saving lives, and a part of that cultural transformation that you talked about, Peter. So please do check out our Patreon. You'll find the link in our show notes. And check out our other series too. The Pro-Life Guys podcast is not the only um, segment that we have on the show. We also have a a program called Humans of the Pro-Life Movement. Um, I'm really excited about it because we get to talk to all of the the everyday heroes, as we call it, the unsung heroes of the pro-life movement, the defenders of the defenseless, the people who are having conversations across country of Canada and indeed actually around the world. And we, we've gotten to, to chat with some really, really cool people. Check that out and check out our monthly roundup called The Pulse, in which Peter and I talk about all of the interesting and important pro-life and abortion-related news from around the world. Check that out. One of the things I love about Humans of the Pro-Life Movement is the variety of guests that we on. I mean, that we have on. Our last guest uh, is a, a retired gentleman who's dedicated his retirement years to fighting abortion. The guest before that uh, was our friend Ellie, who runs a, a local activism group, London Against Abortion. The guest before that was uh, an activist who works for the Center for Bioethical Reform in U- in the UK. And she has a, a great story about how she took on the United Kingdom, the UK government, um, the British government. What government did she take on, Cam? She took on the British government. Okay. <laughs> she lives in England. But okay. to, I, us Canadians trying to figure out how the how Britain fits into the UK. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I also I also wasn't completely sure if she was from England or not. But there you go. English government. Uh, about sex-selective abortion. So there's a great variety of guests that we have on Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, and some of the stories that come out of those conversations are really, really incredible. So go check that out, Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, on YouTube. You can search, uh, you can find that by finding the Pro-Life Guys podcast on YouTube. One more thing, Cam, before we get going, and I want you to share this. It's one of the projects you've been working on as of late, and from what I hear uh, you're making some progress and, and you're ready to share what's happening? Yeah, I am super fired up about this. As many of you know, CCBR has volunteer outreach teams spread across the country um, from coast to coast. These people are on street corners and on doorsteps talking to people about abortion, applying all the skills that we talk about here on the podcast. And yet, not only during the, the COVID lockdowns that we're still experiencing here in Canada, at least, um, but even around, around the clock, um, social media is emerging more and more as a platform that people are spending time on. And while I uh, certainly have no, no plans to divert a tremendous amount of my energy from face-to-face encounters to online encounters for, for a lot of reasons that we won't get into here, it is important as more abortion-minded people are commenting on our platforms, on our posts, on our content, um, that we have strong, quality pro-life ambassadors who are defending um, the rights of preborn children online as well. And so might not be the best avenue out there when it comes to changing minds and saving lives, but it is an important avenue. And I've been working on this idea to have an online engagement team. We're going to think of a a much snappier name than that. However, we want to invite you guys, if you're interested in being a part of this online engagement team, where what we'll do is once a month, we'll have a training session for how to effectively engage people on different platforms, whether that's the conventional platforms of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, or if it's the the newer platforms of MeWe or Gab or that kind of thing. So once a month, we'll do talks on that. Once a week, 
Outside of that, we'll also have debrief sessions where members of this team can come together, share their stories of interaction, get feedback, get um, help troubleshooting how they could improve the interaction, that kind of thing. I'm really excited about this. I know there's some other groups that are doing similar sort of work, but I think it's really important for us to build this community. We're always challenging you to have conversations about abortion, but right now that can be tricky depending on what the lockdown status is in your neck of the woods. And so we want to invite you to consider applying to be a part of our online action team. Um, there will be a link in the show notes for how you can apply to be a part of it. You'll get to meet me in a something of an interview, something of a uh, apologetics training um, program. And then you'll be thrown into this team where, where we'll get to meet each other. We'll be from different areas, let alone different countries, that kind of thing. I'm excited about it. Check out the link in the show notes for how to register. And I look forward to seeing you once a week to, to engage people online. You're going to be engaged people online all through the week, but we're going to be debriefing how that went once a week. So look forward to that. And I look forward to meeting you there. Beauty. That's exciting. Uh, go sign up for that. Okay, this episode, we're going to talk uh, very, very specifically about the apologetics we use in the streets. We're going to give some examples. And why are we doing this? Well, uh, a friend of ours and a regular listener, Alyssa, said, I think it may be helpful to hear some example dialogues to demonstrate how these principles are incorporated into conversations. Great work, guys. End quote. Thank you, Alyssa. Um, and this episode... Uh, is inspired by you. So thank you so much for that. And to, to help us out with that, we went to our Instagram post comments. Mm -hmm. um, we have some very colorful comments that show up on our Instagram posts every now and again. Um, but these are often comments that represent some of the arguments that we hear on the streets. And like we've said many, many times, we want you to know how you can respond to those arguments. Because I'm sure uh, each and every one of us can say that we've heard a pro-abortion argument that has stunned us, perhaps even just momentarily. We weren't really sure how to respond. We haven't heard it before. And that's what we want to do here. Um, and and I, I, Cam, I don't know if you want to touch on this because I know you're very passionate about this, about the principles of refuting and resolving. You want to touch on that briefly as we get into this uh, conversation? For sure. These are two great temptations that I feel like we are constantly faced with as pro-lifers. We have this righteous indignation by the injustice of abortion. And the temptation when we hear hard circumstances that mothers are faced with is to do one of two things. Either respond with a refutation as to why that circumstance isn't relevant, isn't important, isn't frequent, isn't um, worth talking about. And um, as, an, as an example, sometimes we'll hear it said, you know, I, I think abortion is okay in case of poverty. And the refutation some people might say is like, dude, we live in Canada. Canada is a first world country. We've got a ton of resources. Um, there's no reason to say that there isn't enough support out there for a pregnant mother. Without even going into whether or not that's accurate or true, it's not going to be helpful for conversation. You're refuting it. You're, you're telling them that that doesn't matter. And if they live through that experience and know somebody who did, that's going to be very, very dismissive and abrasive. So don't refute, but also don't resolve. And what I mean by resolve is that in that same circumstance, somebody might be like, okay, well, where do I, where do I send my check? How, how much money do you need? Because I'll just write you a check and I'll solve all of your problems by throwing money at the problem. And first of all, obviously, it's more than just a financial problem. Even if the finances are what first come to mind for people, um, 
we can't just throw money at problems and have them go away, first of all. Second of all, what happens when your bank account runs dry? Um, that isn't going to go over super, super well. And so um, don't try to resolve. We have to be focused on principles, the principle that it is never an appropriate solution to a challenging problem to kill a human being. Uh, Stephanie Gray Connors, um, a mentor of mine, as we had her on a couple of weeks ago, often says time and again that if abortion doesn't kill a human being, then no justification for abortion is necessary. But if abortion does kill an innocent human being, no justification for abortion is adequate. We need to focus on the humanity. We need to focus on the principles and not go down either of those two roads of refutation or uh, trying to resolve everything that comes up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, really, really important to keep in mind. And one other thing I was thinking of prior to this discussion is we're taking these comments. And one of the challenges that we have right now is that we're not actually chatting with the people who have made these comments, uh, which is one of the wonderful things you can do in the real public square, which is the streets. Um, and having face-to-face -face conversations. And so if you've made a comment and you're listening to this, because I know there are a few uh, of our pro-abortion followers that do listen, and, and we thank you so much for doing so, if we say something about your argument that you don't actually believe, I just want you to know that we're not trying to mischaracterize your position, we're not trying to create a straw man, uh, but we're trying to, I guess, guess what you would say, but also take some of the experiences that we have on the streets and respond to some of the things that we hear most often. And so we're not trying to mischaracterize, um, and you can most certainly uh, continue to to give us some Instagram comments uh, to further clarify your opinion, um, and that, that would help us out as well. So, okay, as we get in here, we're going to be talking a lot about common ground analogy question. If you've listened to the podcast before, you will be familiar with this concept, with these conversational tactics, common ground analogy question, and we don't want to, you know... <laughs> like we're, we're going to be talking about these arguments and we're going to bring up common ground analogy question every single time. And that's because that is the framework by which we have these conversations. And so before we get into our first argument, the first challenge, I'd like to highlight why we use common ground analogy question. Common ground. All right. So we need to recognize the difficult circumstances that people face. People are going to, to come to you and say abortion should be justified uh, in the case of any number of circumstances. And we need to show them that we're human. We need to show them that we care. We need to show them that we understand that there are people in very difficult situations when it comes to pregnancy and uh, and show that to them to have a real good conversation. Now, you might be saying, okay, guys, like what do I have in common with someone who supports abortion? And if you think about it for any length of, length of time, um, I mean, you'll, you'll know that you have things in common. Here are a few things. I mean, being pregnant and poor at the same time is hard. Being pregnant and young is hard. Being pregnant with a child who might have health issues is hard. And so those are things that we can agree with whether we support abortion or, or, not support, or, or do not support abortion. So creating common ground is key. Yeah, and, and I'm going to take you one step further, Peter. Being pregnant is hard. At times. <laughs> That's right. I mean, yes, there's all of these surrounding circumstances, poverty, um, different health challenges, either for the mother, for the child, all of that ob obviously uh, magnifies the difficulty and, and can make it even more challenging. But I think it's also worth just recognizing that pregnancy can be hard, even if you're in a really good relationship and a good financial position and a good relational position with the people and your church network and whatever kind of thing, like pregnancy can be hard. 
that's something that is worth recognizing. It's not impossible. Obviously, it's been done before, believe it or not. But pregnancy can be hard. And, and you can acknowledge that. And we are starting on that, that common ground again of there are challenges in society. How do we resolve them? Because we want to resolve them. People who support abortion want to resolve them. We have different ways of resolving them. And that's what we're going to talk about. But we recognize the problems that exist and we want to do something about them. That's right. Yeah, that's that's key. All right. Next thing is analogies. And when we create analogies, what we're trying to do is create a scenario where we place a born child into the the story instead of a preborn child um, to see whether they justify ending the life of that child after birth um, as they do before birth. And this is a, a real life scenario that people can easily identify with. And these analogies are meant to show that no matter how difficult circumstances might be, they do not, in fact, justify ending the life of an innocent human being. And they, and they show that there's no moral uh, relevant difference between a child who's born and a child who is not yet born. Um, I mean, there's there's differences in size. There's differences in level of development and the environment in in the degree of their dependency. Um, but those things are not uh, morally relevant in terms of whether we can end the life of that young human being. So that's analogy, common ground analogy. And then we head over to questions, which these questions that we ask, they're vital to tying together you know, the things that we talked about in the conversation, tying together the analogies, tying together um, some of this, the circumstances. And a question, uh, and we're going to share this a little bit later as well, but a, a question might be, so, you know, you agree that we shouldn't be allowed to end the life of a child after birth because of perhaps a difficult financial situation. Why should we be allowed to end the life of that very same child for the very same circumstance before birth? And so these are questions to, to tie it together to, to get people to really think about their position and the difference of um, the, the born child and the preborn child. And what we're doing with Common Ground Analogy Question is bridging the gap between the circumstances that people might face and the humanity of the preborn children and whether abortion should be okay. Now, there's often a, a number of different responses that people might have at the end of this question. One might be, wow, that's you're so right. I can't believe I supported abortion. Uh, those are things we hear at times. And there are sometimes uh, uh, moments where people will say something along the lines of that. But that's different. I mean, the preborn aren't human like the born child. And when they say something like that, what they're indicating is that the disagreement is not actually with the circumstances surrounding a pregnancy, but the disagreement uh, in the conversation at this point is whether the preborn child are human uh, and whether abortion, uh, you know, is justified for this young human being. And so, Cam, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to common ground analogy question before we get into some of these examples. No, you hammered it. Knocked it right on the park, Peter. Nelson Cruz style. Just knocked that right out of the park. Um, and so let's dive into it. All right, sweet. All right, Cam. Uh, we're on the streets. We've we've heard this before. Um, you know, we're we're in conversation. We've outlined the human rights argument, which is a series of questions. Um, you know, do you believe in human rights? Who should get human rights? If something is growing, even from one cell to two, two cells to four, four cells to eight, uh, doesn't that mean that that thing is alive? Uh, if someone has human parents, doesn't that make her a member of the human family? And therefore. 
is an abortion a human rights violation? Let's say someone challenges you even further with that uh, after you've used the human rights argument and asked those series of questions and says, yeah, but it's still different. I mean, there's, they're, they might be human, but, you know, it's different. They're, they're human in different ways, perhaps. How would you respond when someone challenges you uh, after you've used the human rights argument? I just see clarification different in what ways. And, and you laid out many of those differences, size, level of, de- um, level of development, environment, degree of dependency, things like that. And then I would ask why those differences exist. Why does a preborn child have anything other than a completely developed brain? Why is the preborn child completely dependent on their mother? Why are they living inside their mother's womb? Why um, are they so small and not looking like you and I? At the end of the day, each of those questions result in the age of the child. They have a less developed brain. They have a less developed body because of how old they are. They live in that particular environment because of how old they are. They live, um, they're completely dependent on their mother because of how old they are. And they're really small because of how old they are. Abortion is age-based discrimination. So I ask clarification, what is the difference then? And why does that difference exist? It's because of their age. If it's wrong to discriminate human rights based off of our skin color, our religion, our gender, why is it okay to discriminate human rights based off of our age? All right. So what is the difference um, and why does that difference? Why does that difference exist? Really, really key questions. Um, what if they they come back and say, "But you know what? Like they don't even look like they're human beings." This is something. This is really, really common. Um, and I know the answer is very similar to what you gave. But I mean, help us out here. They don't even look like human beings. Yeah. So I agree. You and I can agree that that a really young embryo doesn't look like a fully de- um, fully developed adult human. Why don't they? because of how old they are. I I know that's not a very fun answer. I know that's not a very sophisticated um, write home and tell your folks that you came up with the best pro-life argument ever. Why do they look different? It's because of how old they are, because humans at that stage of development don't look like humans at a different stage of development. It's the same reason why, um, I don't know, Fetal elephants don't look like adult elephants or, or any mammalian species at different levels of development don't look the same. I, I mean, I've got a background in biology. I had to do some ecology during that. And like, as a random example, look at a bald eagle. A bald eagle doesn't get a white top of their head until they're like two or three years old. Would you say like, oh, well, it's not a bald eagle until their head looks like it's bald. Um, no. Why doesn't a one-year-old um, bald eagle, member of that hum- um, species, have a white head? It's because of how old it is. You're not going to discriminate um, wildlife protection of bald eagles based on whether or not they have a white head or not. You're going to base it on membership in the species. And so why don't they look like you and I? Because of their age. Is age an appropriate factor for discrimination? Um Sweet. Uh, so you you've you've used the why question a lot. Is that something you ask why regularly on the streets? Is that a very common question for you? Very frequently, because I think the burden of proof goes on the people who are advocating for abortion. They're the ones who are saying that this is not a human being. This is not someone or something that gets the right to not be killed as an innocent human. And the burden of proof is on them. And so I want them to explain their position, not only so that I understand it better, but also so that they can see just how faulty the logic of their own conclusion really is. Why? Why does that matter? Why is it okay to kill somebody because of that factor? Uh, I mean, to stay within the theme of, of age, why isn't it okay to kill born children who are younger than us? 
if, if we're going to say that you have to be fully developed, we're not fully developed until at the very least we've gone through um, puberty. Um, and, and more often than not, scientists are saying that our brains aren't fully developed until we're in our early 20s. Are we going to discriminate human rights because they're not fully developed? If not for born children, why for preborn children? Again, going back to basically trotting out the toddler, lots of why questions to put the burden of proof on the person you're talking to, but also to learn more about where they're coming from and help them learn more about where they're coming from. Many of them haven't thought about abortion very deeply at all, and it allows them to think more about what it is that they're saying and what it is that um, that's resulting in. Peter, you you had the great line, I think it was an intro line from a couple of weeks ago of, um, what was it? Um, ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims or something like that. Like, That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to parrot these Twitter quotes about my body, my choice and other things that don't look like me. They're blob of cells, whatever. But those bad ideas have a mountain of bloody corpses who are victims of that ideology. And so we need to challenge people on that. All right. So why is it an important question? Now, now, when you're on the streets or having conversations, don't add why, ask why like a perhaps two-year-old child 73 times just you know, <laughs> try, trying to get under their skin, perhaps. Um, but use it to clarify, to, to seek to understand their position more and to, to really, you know, ask uh, and, and pry and dig into their position to, to show the inconsistency that they have in their stance that they believe all humans should get human rights. Let's dive into uh, to our comment here. Um, at, uh, you know what, that's a, a strange name, uh, EVX underscore DVX. I'm not going to share everyone's name uh, every time we get through here. <laughs> but this is, the, this is the quotation, this is the comment, and I quote, Abortion this late almost never happens. Why don't you post a picture of how zygotes, embryos, and fetuses actually look like at 13 weeks when abortions actually happen? Oh, right, because it has no emotional power, end quote. Cam, do you remember what this was posted under? So I, I believe this was related to a late-term abortion article that we had posted about how late-term abortions are happening in Canada, in America, and around the world. And, and an, an image of, I, I think, maybe a 20 or 24-week-old aborted child, I think. Okay, so we use images on the streets of late-term uh, abortions. Uh, so you're you're holding this sign. You're showing people these images. Someone comes up to you and says, "Come on, man, that doesn't actually happen. Why don't you show a picture of an abortion at an actual age that abortions happen in this country?" How do you respond? What's the first thing you say? First thing you say is a confirmation of their position. All right, could you and I agree that this is wrong? This late-term abortion that I am holding a picture of. Can we agree that this is wrong? And if they say yes, then I'll move on. If they say no. Then we get to talk about that picture because that picture happens in Canada. There's been lots of data come out that there's at least several hundred, if not several thousand late-term abortions performed in Canada every year, as documented by the, the Canadian Institute for Health Information. Late-term abortions happen. So first of all, I want to clarify that, do you agree that this late-term abortion, the picture that I'm holding, is morally wrong, is a human rights violation? If they say yes, then I say, that's awesome. And as you and I know, um, this is happening. So this is why we're showing it. As you can see, all of the other signs around here, the vast majority of them show early term abortions. And I'm curious, do you think all humans should get human rights? Well, yeah, obviously. Okay. And if something is growing, even from one cell to two cell to four cell, isn't alive? Yeah. Well, and if that living organism 
even at that really early stage, that living organism has human parents, isn't he or she a living human? Yeah. So wouldn't that make abortion a human rights violation even during those really early months? I mean, you can certainly talk about um, the crazy stages of development that we go through. I definitely cite, maybe we can throw it in the show, uh, show notes, ehd.org, endowmentforhumandevelopment.org, a great group that shows a lot of different stages of prenatal development. And, and you'll see um, that that post about um, what it looks like at 13 weeks. A 13-week-old child has fingers and toes, has all of their organ systems developed, has brain waves, um, all of that stuff. Very much looks like a human being. We have lots of pictures showing the atrocity of abortion performed on children at that age as well. And so, first of all, we do show those pictures. Second of all, um, even if they didn't look very much like us, even if there wasn't the same degree of emotional power, maybe for a, a really early term abortion in the first couple of weeks, whether it's a morning after pill or with, whether it's RU46 or something like that, where the, the human is even less defined, if we agree that all humans should get human rights and if we talk, walk through the human rights um, argument, even if they don't look very much like us, wouldn't that make abortion a human rights violation? I dive into that human rights argument. It's the route that I'd go. Nice. I, I like what you did there, Cam, um, that the person that approached you on the streets uh, focused on your late term abortion image. And instead of, um, you know, going right away to the arguments, you tried to set a bit of a, a boundary line as it were like, OK, so let's let's talk about these for a second. Would you say then that you disagree with abortion at this stage of pregnancy, perhaps 20 weeks, perhaps 15, whatever it might be? Um, and if they do, that's a, a really, really good starting point for, you know, continuing on into the conversation and asking, you know, what why why an earlier stage and not this stage? Why 13 weeks and not 15 weeks? Um, and, and also it helps you to clarify their position where they stand. You know, surprisingly to some, there are many people who support abortion right up until birth. Um, but there are also people who don't support abortion, you know, after the first trimester or the second trimester. And so these are really, really helpful clarifying questions. And like like you did, you uh, you you set the example really well using common ground analogy question and diving right into the human rights argument, um, using the common ground analogy question to bridge the conversation between the circumstances to the humanity of the preborn child, and then trying to see whether they think that we should be allowed to end the life of innocent human beings, regardless of their environment. That's uh, that's really sweet. Anything else you'd like to add before we dive into the next one? Uh, no, I, I would honestly just say try to keep it simple. And sometimes pro-lifers get accused of having a cyclical argument. And what I mean by that is that people say, but you've already asked me these human rights questions already, or you've already walked through common ground analogy question. That's not a bad thing. That is simply showing the person that this is the root of the, the abortion issue. Whether or not this, this entity is a living member of the human species is what everything comes down to. That's what the analogy aspect of the conversation does time and again. And don't feel self-conscious. Don't feel like you have to change what you're saying because you've already said it before. No, if you're saying it again, it means that it probably didn't resonate the first time. And repetition can be incredibly valuable in allowing that message to resonate. So don't feel like the impetus is on you to constantly innovate and change your, your argumentation around. And well, I already did common ground analogy question in this conversation. I got to think of something else. 
No, most of my conversations, I go through common ground knowledge question like 10 times. Um, and, and I bring up the human rights argument at least five times. Um, go back to that well, because that well is where, um, I'm just going to try to extend that metaphor. That, that well is where the, the basis of the conversation comes back to time and again. Don't feel self-conscious about repeating yourself. Make it happen. All right. Could you give us the next, uh, the next quotation here, the next comment? For sure. And, and so I, I hear this on the street all the time. Um, more lives are lost where abortion is illegal. But, but you seem to ignore that, um, that suddenly when the zygote embryo or fetus's life is irrelevant to the topic, the meaning of life changes for you. This, this idea of legal abortion is necessary for the protection of mothers' lives and illegal abortion or abortion being unthinkable um, is um, a cause of greater death. If you want fewer people to die, you legalize abortion. Peter, what would you say to that? Yeah, so there are... When I think about this, there are three avenues that I think I would go um, and have gone when it comes to this. And, and none of them are, are wrong per se. W one of the ones I, I don't go to as much for this analogy, but could be, do you know someone who has died during childbirth? I, if someone's bringing up a, a circumstance like this um, or, or someone who was you know, near death um, during childbirth, this might be a heart issue. This might be something that... Um, this person has experienced, uh, perhaps in their family or friend group, um, and, and maybe there's more to the conversation. Um, and, and so that's one of the one of the ways that I would go when it comes to this particular analogy uh, or this particular circumstance. It's often my experience that most people haven't. And so there's there's two other routes that I could go. One, I could dive right into the human rights argument. Let's let's set the stage right off the bat to see whether they you know, we can get on the same page about whether the preborn are in fact, human. And if they are, then let's talk about the different circumstances surrounding justifying abortion. Or we could go into common ground analogy and question. So we, we could say something along the lines of, you know, you and I agree that what we don't, or you and I agree that we don't want mothers dying when they're pregnant. And it's important that they're really is high quality maternal health care for all mothers. One of the things they're saying with this, this circumstance is you know the the difficulty um, and the the uh, the challenges that you know that that mothers have when it comes to, to to giving birth and to pregnancy, and we can certainly understand that. Even though Cam and I won't go through that, um, you know we can we can understand that as, as as much as we can. Certainly with our wives having gone through that. And then Cam, what's an analogy that you would use uh, once you've created common ground? Yeah, so I, I would say, honestly, like, imagine whether it was a mental health issue or a physical health issue, imagine that mothers of born children were at risk in caring for their born children. I think especially of the mental health crisis that is happening in our world with so much stress and isolation and, and so many of these factors weighing heavy on the minds of people and how stressful looking after a child, especially if you're a single parent, can be. Imagine that there was a health crisis of mental health that may be even leading to suicide among mothers of born children. Would we ever say, well, it's better to kill those born children to protect the lives and the mental health of those mothers than for those mothers to die and those children to waste away um, because there's nobody looking after them. There, there's only one death instead of potentially two. Would we kill born humans to protect the lives of, of their parents? 
No, if that's not an appropriate solution to protecting the lives of parents, then why is it an appropriate solution for preborn children? Obviously, we need to do something. We, we established that in the common ground. Obviously, we need to do something and many things often to protect the lives of, of mothers, whether mothers of born children or preborn children. But killing humans isn't an appropriate solution to that problem. Does that make sense? That does. Yeah. And I was thinking another question we could ask uh, along the, those lines could be, do you know how many lives are lost, um, you know, due, due to tri- giving child, give, uh, giving birth? Um, and do you know how many lives are lost to due to abortions as well? Um, most people w- wouldn't have those statistics, but are using this as a just kind of a, a justification as well. But yeah, your, your points, uh, sir, on the, uh, the question most certainly do make sense. Yeah. Only other points that I, I would challenge you to consider, and, and there's various ways that you can bring this into conversation. Check out our episode about Ireland, talking to Neve um, Ibrahim about, I don't know if I pronounced her last name right, I just said it really quickly. Neve is a wonderful pro-life advocate in Ireland, and how good maternal health was in Ireland, how good it is in Poland, and in many places in South America, and in Malta, and places where abortion is highly or completely restricted. Maternal health is not... Um, is not mutually exclusive from abortion. Abortion can be completely unthinkable and completely illegal, and maternal health can be incredibly high. They're not one and the same. Um, yeah. Nice. All right, moving on to the next one from Pro-Choice for Everyone. Thank you for the comment. And this is what Pro-Choice for Everyone says. Lots about men talking about abortion. Nothing says misogyny like anti-choice men trying to control women's bodies. Cam, you've heard that before. You're you're a man. You spend time in the streets. You you've you just, you've certainly heard that before. What's your go-to response? Lots of times, and and so again, common ground. I mean, you and I agree that bodily autonomy is incredibly important, and men are a huge part of the problem. I, I like to get that and out men. of the way initially. I mean, men are a huge part of the problem, not only in the direct like coercion towards abortion and the. Um, how how sex central our society is and the pressure that that men are putting upon women for um sexual relationships and all that kind of thing i i start with that common ground um is that where you generally start peter where do you start yeah yeah that's that's exactly right and i wanted to jump in here just briefly um the other day i had a conversation with uh, a young woman who she started out very, very hostile, very against what I was doing, partly because I was a man talking about uh, what women should do with their bodies. And it, it actually, the conversation didn't turn to be a good and, and fruitful conversation, which it, she was there for a while and we did have a really good conversation. She ended up apologizing for, uh, for screaming at me. And we had a really, really good conversation afterwards. But the, the conversation started to turn when I recognized that very point that there are a lot of jerks in, in, in life, and there most certainly were in her life. Um, some of them should have been behind bars, and, and there are guys who just want to use women. And, and re- me recognizing that and showing that I actually do com- you know, care about her and am and, and completely against the lifestyles and the, the, the choices that many of the people in her life had made, um, when she saw that, that I understood and, and recognized that, that's when the conversation started to change. So really, really key common ground point. Yeah. And, and so moving from there into the analogy, the analogy that I often do now that I'm a parent is, is asking them, like, with all due respect, do you mind if I ask, are you a parent? And re- depending on where they go, I'll go, if, if they are a parent, I'll say, have you ever had somebody who's not a parent give you parenting advice? 
Peter, I'm sure that you've had people do this. Have you ever had somebody who's not a parent give, give you parenting advice? And sometimes we can blow that off. Sometimes it's really frustrating when they're like giving you advice on something they know nothing about. But what if that parent, what, what if you or, or you as somebody who isn't a parent, if, if they're not a parent, then saying, you know what, like you probably wouldn't go up to a parent and tell them that they're um, teaching their kids about the grocery store wrong or, or reading them the wrong books or something like that. But if, if a parent was killing their born children and you're not a parent, would it be a valid argument for them to say to you, well, you don't have kids. You have no idea how frustrating, how irritating, how annoying kids can be. You have no idea what I'm going through. How can you dare tell me what I should can and can't do with my born child? Sure, when it comes to the kinds of books, the kinds of clothes, a lot of the other treatment, I think that there's there's a lot of subjectivity when it comes to it. But if we're allowed to kill, uh, tell parents of born children that they're not allowed to kill their born children, regardless of whether we have children or not, we should be allowed to do the same thing for born, uh, pre-born children. What, what's the difference? Why is it okay to tell a parent of a born child that they can't kill their born child, but it's not okay to tell a parent of a pre-born child not to kill their pre-born child? That's where I go. I, I give that, that analogy, try to the toddler using the idea of giving parenting advice versus the parenting advice not to kill their, their born children. Right, and, and that's something you know, like I mentioned earlier on about analogies, about bringing these real life scenarios that people can understand. That, that's something that each and every one of us agrees with. And just to highlight again, that if at the end of that, that's that session or that segment, they're like, but they're different. The option to use the human rights argument is, is there. Um, and it's useful. Cam, you use it, like you said, many times in a conversation as do I. And before we get into the next uh, the next comment that we have here. I just want to say, as we talk about the human rights argument and as we talk about the tactics of using common ground, finding common ground in conversations, using analogies and asking questions, we want to encourage you to write these things down and to commit them to memory. And here's here's why. When we're on the streets, when we're having the conversations, perhaps with our family, uh, perhaps with our barber or whoever it might be. I I was at the barber this morning, so that, that was the first thing on my mind. But um Sometimes if we haven't really committed these to memory memory or spent a lot of time thinking about these questions or tactics, they won't really come to our mind really quickly. But if we have an opportunity to think about them, to think about analogies that we might use in different scenarios, to think about good questions that are thought-provoking, that, that help clarify the situation, if you've already thought about those, um, they will more naturally come to your mind when you're in conversation with someone about abortion uh, maybe you don't have a conversation at the barbershop, but certainly at work or at school or uh, with your family, perhaps. So so do write them down and commit them to memory. And and uh, yeah, just just be prepared for when you're having conversations. And on that note as well, shameless plug here. A lot of this stuff um, in, in more detail as well is outlined in Justina Van Manen's apologetic book, Stuck, A Comprehensive Guide to Answering Tough Questions About Abortion. So um, really, 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 really good book on apologetics. You can find that at thebridgehead.ca forward slash shop. Thebridgehead.ca forward slash shop. All right, next comment here from some dude with a fancy name, uh, a fancy uh, Instagram name. All right, if we make men have mandatory vasectomies, there will be no need for abortion. They are easy to perform, to perform and reversible. 
whether the sex is consensual or non-consensual, we will no longer as a society have any unwanted pregnancies. Therefore, no more abortions. Uh, Pro-choice love said something similar. So when are y'all going to get the vasectomies? Uh, asking us, the pro-choice guys. Um, and pro-life then, guys. Uh, pro-life guys. We're the pro-life guys, Peter. What did I say? You said pro-choice guys. We're the pro-life guys. Just uh, if anyone wondered. Yeah, no, that's that's right. <laughs> um, I, I was reading. I was reading pro-choice love who wrote that, and pro-choice witch who wrote the next comment. So that was probably on my mind. All right, pro-choice witch. The next one along the same lines. All pro-life boys should remain lifelong abstinence and only have sex to procreate. All right, Cam. I think we can agree that common ground is similar to the common ground we created before, um, because a lot of these these um, sorts of comments are coming from people's experiences. They're coming from the experiences where there are guys in their lives. You can we'll name them all sorts of things that aren't appropriate for a podcast. Um, you know, they they come into their lives only to have sex, only to have a good time, only to enjoy you know their their friend's body and and. Uh, everything that goes with that, but they refuse to take any sort of responsibility when it comes to the natural outcome of using your reproductive organs, which is the creation of a new human being. A lot of guys peace out at that point. Uh, a lot of guys coerce their girlfriends to get pregnant during at that point, girlfriends or wives. Um, but a real, real problem with you know people showing up to have a good time and piecing out when any sort of responsibility comes. So we can agree. I mean, this is if this is what they're saying, we have lots of common ground here. Um, like before, we agree that men are a huge part of this problem when it comes to unplanned pregnancies and you know how so many fathers abandon the mothers of their children when they find out that they have their children. And so we've created common ground here. Cam, is there more common ground that you could create when it comes to? Uh, someone saying, yo, dude, you're on the streets, get a vasectomy, and then we can have a real conversation. So I, I would actually go a different route than you went. I, I agree that a lot of people are are thinking about that when they ask these questions. A lot of other people are just saying, you know what, I, I have men that I like in my life, and I want to have sex with them. Or, or I am a man, and I want to have sex. And I there's there's this notion of, you know what, sex is unavoidable. That there is no way that we can possibly not have sex. And so if you don't want us to get pregnant and contraception isn't effective, then we need to have um, vasectomies. And and I, I love the, I think Jonathan, uh, our colleague Jonathan Van Maren, um, had, had the comment brought up to him of um, if, if you don't think or... or you're saying that, that sex shouldn't be um, engaged in until you're, you're ready for babies. And, and he just had the, the quick rejoiner of congratulations, you just invented marriage. Like, obviously, there's a lot of pro-life people who have that background of like, yeah, I think um, th- this last comment from pro- pro-choice, which all pro-life boys should remain lifelong abstinent and only have sex to procreate or when they're ready for children. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm borderline okay with that. Like, don't have sex until you're ready to have kids. I, I think that's, that, that's a valuable that's right. point. Um, but I think that that's what a lot of people are getting at as well, of like, sex is unavoidable. The, this idea of like, oh, the kids these days, they're just having sex constantly. There's, there's nothing that we can do. Abstinence education has been a failure. Kids are just going to have sex. There's nothing that they can do, nothing that you can do to stop it. Therefore, if you don't want pregnancy to occur and prec- uh, and sex is guaranteed to occur, then you have to find a way to guarantee the pregnancy won't result from sex, um, completely divorcing those two. And therefore, the suggestion of, of um, vasectomies is suggested. And 
honestly, I think that there's a simpler solution. I mean, it, it's tempting. I, I would, the common ground I would find is like, I've talked to a lot of guys over the last long time. And like you said, Peter, there's a lot of guys that like, it runs through my mind. The world would be a safer place if this person um, got a vasectomy or more so this person or world would be a safer place if this person was chained up in their bedroom um, and not allowed to interact with people around them. Um, and I remember an interaction that I had, though, with a guy on one of our mission trips down to Florida. I was talking to him about abortion. And after about a half an hour, it clicked for him that abortion is a human rights violation. And, and just like deadpan, he looked me straight in the eye and said, well, crap, what am I supposed to do on Friday nights now? Because he realized that he couldn't just like go out to the club and pick up a, a girl, whether he knew her or not, and and engage in casual sex with her. Um, this idea of, but I'll have so much free time. Like, like, it's just mind boggling that people, this idea of how am I supposed to possibly keep my pants on? Um, Obviously, there's a lot that we should do with regards to sexual assault. We need, obviously, to put that caveat in there that um, I, I'm all for castration when it comes to um, sexual assault perpetrators. All about that. Um, maybe there's another conversation we should have around that. But I, I am all for that kind of vasectomy, preventing people from being able to have sex if they're going to violently assault people. 100%. But hopefully that conveys the message, right, that we agree that unplanned pregnancies are what we're trying to avoid. Um, and that goes to a deeper question as to how we avoid those unplanned pregnancies. Different people are going to seek out different means. I, I think it's fair to say that a lot of the pro-life boys out there that maybe some of these people are referring to are actually not having sex until they're ready to have babies. For those who are having sex before they're ready to have babies, yeah, there are different things that we can do. But I think probably education can be a little bit easier than forced sterilization, um, even even reversible sterilization. I mean, we, we look at um, in Canada, the the atrocious and heinous crimes that were perpetrated on different demographics of society when it came to forced sterilization. That's absolutely not what we should be advocating for. We should be advocating for better education and better for support for mothers and fathers who find themselves in those situations. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly right. And, and one of the the ways you can go as well, Cam. Um, and I, I just want to highlight this as well. I, I mean, the way that we both found common ground was different, but that doesn't mean that either of us were wrong. There are often different ways in conversations that we can find common ground with people that we can we can be like, yeah, totally, totally get it. I'm I'm on the same page as you when it comes to this particular issue. Um, but one of the things that might be important to note as well is that. You know, we, we could have a, a, a good and meaningful conversation about forced vasectomies and, um, you know, that that would be a meaningful conversation. But to focus more on the issue at hand. So aside from the vasectomy, let's say there already is a preborn child in, in existence. Right. Vasectomy or no, no vasectomy, uh, other interventions or no interventions. What we're talking about now are young human beings already in existence. Do you believe in human rights? Yeah, yeah, I believe in human rights. Who do you think should get human rights? Walking through the human rights argument to see, okay, so we can have that conversation. Um, perhaps it's worthwhile. But but before we have that conversation, do you think it's ever okay to end the life of young, innocent human beings? And, uh, and that's worked for me as well. Um, and perhaps on that note, you might be in, in conversation with someone who, you know, in a sense, might not consciously try to change the, the subject, but in a sense does change the subject from, you know, what what we're trying to talk about, which is, 
you know, who the preborn are and what abortion does to them. And so it's important to recognize some of those diversions, recognize that what they're bringing up might be very worthwhile to talk about, might be, you know, a, an, an honest conversation that you could have at some point. But when it comes to abortion, the really, really key question and the one thing that we want to highlight, the one thing that we, we want to talk about and the place that we want to get to in the conversation is who are the preborn ch- child, uh, who is the preborn child and what does abortion do to them? Cam, any other thoughts on uh, on this one before we wrap things up? We are at the 50 minute mark already. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll definitely do another episode like this where we, where we dive into more of the comments. The only thing um, that I'll add is, again, if we wanted to put in an, an, an analogy about that is that there's a lot of deadbeat dads out there. Um, and I'm sure at least a few deadbeat moms out there who are not um, involved in this, like you said, um, vasectomies don't answer that question. What are we going to do with the humans that are already in existence, whether they're born or pre-born? If we don't kill born kids because their dads or their moms are not helpful, not productive, or outright um, a negative influence on the situation, then why pre-born children? Um, yeah, that's it. Sweet. All right, everyone. Uh, as Cam mentioned, we're going to do an episode like this again. We have far more comments than the ones that we touched on. Uh, a whole three pages more comments. Um, but we want to keep this to uh, just a, a, a regular episode length. And so, Alyssa, I know you're listening. Thank you so much for listening. Is this what you were hoping for when when you asked us to provide some examples of conversations that we have? If so, you're welcome. If not, do reach out to us and let us know how we can, uh, yeah, just just have this conversation more focused um, and, and for anyone else as well, if there are circumstances that you are really wondering about, like, how would I approach someone or how would I respond to someone who approaches me with this particular circumstance or this challenge? I'm not really sure how I can have a good conversation within the framework of this common ground analogy question that we keep presenting. Reach out to us because this is what we're here for. We uh, have most likely had that same conversation on the streets and we would be able to you know, have that conversation. So reach out to us. We will, uh, we'll put that in the next episode that we talk about some of these arguments and hopefully help you be a better defender of preborn children. Cam, as we wrap this up, my friend, do you have anything for, uh, for the audience? Yeah. Two closing notes, two things that we're working on, um, or one thing that we're working on. So, this, uh, hopefully this is helpful. Like Peter said, walking through what we were to say on the street, we are working on being able to get live uh, um, recorded conversations with actual abortion supporters from our activism. Um, I was mic'd up this past Saturday. It was crazy windy and and the footage was just awful for, for the audio recording. And so we definitely do want to do that because this theory is helpful, but we're hoping to be able to provide even more true to life conversations, how we apply these skills in actual conversations. So we are working on that. We're going to be troubleshooting some other ideas as well. Yeah. And this is in response to uh, Steve from Toronto, who brought this up to us, really wanted us to uh, have conversations with people who support abortion on the podcast. Um, so this is, this is one of the ways we want to do it is to have the conversations on the streets, the real conversation, and then share that with you. So we, we'll work on the footage. We'll work on getting some, some good quality sound for you, uh, Steve and the rest of you out there. Um, and then hopefully have that coming to you soon. Hey, Cam, you had one more thing. Yeah, one other thing, um, just to mention, I want to give a big shout out to all of you who are engaging on our various social media platforms and representing the pro-life cause. Absolutely love what you guys are doing. Um, 
One comment, I, this isn't an episode about how to better debate online, but the one comment that I'll suggest to many of you, I know some of you are already doing this, keep it simple. The longer your post, the more arguments you make or address, the more you open the door for the person you're talking to or interacting with to only pick one of your arguments. Be laser focused, ask one question and make sure that they are answering the question that you find the most important at the time. I've, I've seen it several times where there's been several different questions um, laid out and then only one of them gets responded to by that person that they're talking to. And so keep it simple, keep it focused on what is the heart of the issue. And at the end of the day, don't feel like you have to have the final word, right? That, that I've seen some frankly absurd comments from abortion supporters on our social media and on other social media. And I find that pro-lifers will still try to draw them back into conversation after they've written something completely absurd, like, yeah, I'm totally cool killing kids all the way up until they're 10 years old. Just let that sit. Like, like that argument refutes itself. Any reasonable person who's going to scroll by and sees that that's where a, an abortion supporter left their argument, that they're cool killing 10-year-olds or 2-year-olds or whatever, or sex-selective abortions is totally fine in their mind, feel free to leave that sitting because of the people who are going to be scrolling by. Don't feel like you need to bury that end line and, and drag them back into a different area of debate. You're planting seeds with them. We appreciate that. You're keeping your, your comments simple, but don't feel like you always have to have the last word. That's good. Thank you, sir. And for those listening, do consider becoming a patron of the Pro-Life Guys podcast, patreon.com forward slash pro-life guys join the join the movement uh financially partner with us as we continue to equip others to uh be effective defenders of the preborn, and as we spend time on the streets ourselves and there's an opportunity for you to, to receive some pretty cool merch so don't uh yeah don't uh, don't hesitate don't hesitate do check that out patreon.com forward slash pro-life guys also follow us on the social media platforms you can find us everywhere uh, don't miss us on YouTube, where our conversations uh, with the Humans of the Pro-Life Movement series and the Pulse series are video recorded. You can watch them. Um, if you want to listen to them, by all means, you can do that there as well um, or on your favorite podcast catcher. So don't forget to subscribe to the Pro-Life Guys podcast on YouTube. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We are very grateful for your support and for the fact that you continue to listen to uh, the content we're putting out and the, yeah, the tools that, that we use and the conversations that we have. Thank you so much. And our call at the end, I'll do a very brief one. Go out, have a conversation, engage in a conversation with your neighbor or your coworker, uh, a fellow student, whoever it might be, a family member, and uh, and challenge them uh, about their, their opinion on abortion and challenge them with the, the truth about the humanity of the preborn children and the inhumanity of abortion. Let us know how it goes. And thank you again. God bless you all.